Okay. Hey, hey, Tim. How are you going? Hey, Pato. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. How good was that? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bloody good. I think um, uh, there's a couple of nights I only got two hours sleep. I reckon some of the runners got more more sleep than I did trying to <laughs> keep up with it all. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that was just awesome. It was lucky I was doing night shift for a couple of the nights because I saw most of the um, day courses, which was just awesome how good the some of the camel work was and the coverage i thought but um you went um when you found those uh stats your um it was like a kid on christmas morning wasn't it yeah yeah i'm a, I'm a bit of a spreadsheet nerd and a data nerd um and because you can't watch every single hour you can try but you're going to have to eat and have a shower at some point. Um, every time I stepped away, I'd come back and I'd, I'd grab the loop times and I'd chuck them into a spreadsheet and try and use that to see what had happened over the last few hours. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool to see what what trends popped up and what, what you'd notice about each each runner and then you'd know to look for it next time you're watching the, the stream. Yeah, awesome. And, and I mean, you captured... You captured pretty much everything I can think of, like not just lap times, but average lap times, like the difference between day and night loop times, um, like the spread of loop, everything. You've captured everything. So um, I guess, um, yeah, let, let's analyse this data and let's start off by just, um, do you want to just give us the, um, just the, overall data about the race like milestones and stuff like that cool so um basic stuff so back out ultra is 6.708 kilometers per loop yeah um uh the race there were 75 entrants representing 31 countries um i don't know the numbers that that has to be a record i don't think there's been a back out ultra in the world where 31 countries have been represented um yeah, in 2000, 2021, there were 35 entrants in the same race. So it's quite a big step up for Laz to have that many people in his, his backyard. Mm. Uh, of the countries, USA had the most. They had 10 entrants. Um, the mighty Aussies had a pretty solid team there with seven, which was, um, even though I knew there were a few Aussies in the race and I, I could probably name them, um, when you realise there's seven, that's that's quite a solid showing for for Australia. Yeah. Um, Belgium solid with six runners there. France with five and Japan with five. That were the top five um, countries with participants. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at the highest average PB before the race. So obviously a lot of them got in on the at large list, and it was their PB that got them in, or they've they've won their national champs. Um, New Zealand had the highest average PB. So not surprising when you think that it's only Sam Harvey there uh, (laughs) representing New Zealand. So 101 is the average, pretty high average. Um, Spain with 82, again, just one runner. And then we get into countries with multiple runners. Great Britain, 80.7. Japan, 78.4. Belgium, 76. So really solid numbers there from those teams. Australia was actually ninth, so seven runners with an average PB of 69.1. Yep. Um, 
I looked at, so there's a day loop and a night loop. I thought it was interesting. The day loop went for 11 hours and the night loop went for 13 hours, which was um, interesting. It wasn't that even split. Yeah. And to make the data nice and simple, um, started on loop one of the day. So it was a nice, nice, easy spread. Uh, which, which, which loop do you reckon was the hardest, Pato? Night, night loop or day loop? Well, I mean, I think it was, I would have, without, look, I have seen the stats, but if I hadn't, I would still say it was the day course because of the heat and because the trail was tough. Yeah. I saw, I was watching some of the highlights today. Yeah. And Laz, in true Laz fashion, said the thing about the day loop and the night loop is they're both worse. Because um, I think the night, the night would be really hard because it's it's colder, it's dark, you're feeling a lot more alone. Mm. Um, but the day course had all the technical stuff and the elevation. So out of all the DNFs, 48 were on the day loop, which is 64%. And then it, on the night loop was 27 DNFs, which is 36%. Interestingly, five of the... So when I say those DNFs, that's their last completed lap. So their last completed lap was on the day loop or the night loop. Yeah. Five of those night loop DNFs, so five out of 27, their last loop completed was the last night loop. So they either didn't, didn't continue for the first day loop or they timed out in that first day loop. So the day really, really took out the runners. Yeah. Do you think one of the reasons for that might be because the last completing the last night loop is a full 24 hour and it's kind of like a milestone? Yeah, that's uh, there's stats on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's some pre- there's some pretty interesting stuff. Um yeah. and I think if you your average backyard ultra um you think most people would drop out at nighttime. You know, it gets dark and they start hitting their milestones and stuff. I think it's interesting here because they ran over so many days, not hours. They ran over days that um, there wasn't really that milestone. No one was dropping out at 15 because they got their first 100. No one was dropping out at 24 because they got their first 100 miles. Yeah. Um, uh, The runners, so the average age was 41.3. Uh, which makes me feel pretty good. I'm 42, so yeah. I'm pre- pretty average. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love runner, it. Runner with most, most birthdays was Jen Russo with 57 birthdays. Yeah. Uh, youngest was Pat from Poland at 18. Yeah. And he was an exciting runner to watch for that. Yeah. 34 hours too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, for an 18-year-old. I think usually when stuff gets tough, when I was 18, I'd, I'd give up. He, oh. he, he certainly didn't give up. <laughs> yeah. um, for the age groups, so breaking them out into under 30, there were only four runners under 30, um, which is 5.3% of the runners. There were 25 in their 30s, 35 in their 40s. So that was the most um, common age group to be in your 40s. Again, makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and 11 in their 50s. Yeah, even 11 in the 50s, that that makes me feel good too. Yeah. I've got at least another decade in me. That's yeah. Good. And I think if you compared that to, you know, your normal road run or even trail run, I think there's definitely a skew towards um, later in life 
doing really well at these races because these aren't just people who signed up, right? They had to qualify. They had to put in some big efforts to get there. Um, And it's the people in their 40s and 50s representing together over 60% of the the field. Yeah. Um, Previous PBs. So before running, there were four people with 100-plus. You could probably name them, Pate. Yep. Sam, uh, Bill Gore, Moran, and Evo. Yeah, yeah. Um, 72 plus or 18, so 24% had done 72 loops but hadn't hit the 100. Um, 56% had done 48 or more, mm-hmm. so that's 42 runners, and there were only 11 who hadn't hit that 48-hour mark as a PB. Yeah. So... 85% had already done a backyard and run for over two days straight, yeah. which is amazing. Again, certainly not your normal backyard ultra, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't- um, sorry, I, I, I just thought I'd say I heard Laz mention a, a few times throughout the race, it's easily the best multi-day running event field that's ever assembled. Yeah. It felt like the Avengers, right? <laughs> like a, all, all the superheroes together in, yeah. in one spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know last time we spoke, we, we spoke about the the distance to travel. So mm. um, we had all their hometowns. So I thought I'd have a look at who travelled the furthest. It was um, those from Perth. So a flight from Perth to Nashville, assuming they all had to drive from Nashville. Yeah. 25 hours. South Africa was 22 hours. Melbourne, 21 and a half hours was the third longest. Closest, there were three runners from Cincinnati or really close to Cincinnati. Yeah. Harvey Lewis, one of them. It's just over a four-hour drive, 273 miles, 439K. He could have run home from Bell Buckle, grabbed a snack, and then made it two-thirds of the way back with the distance he covered. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the guys from Perth could have achieved <laughs> achieve that same feat. Um, so performance total loops four thousand two hundred and seventeen total loops were run. Yeah, that doesn't count loops that were over time or partial loops. So there's a, a bit more in there, mm. but the distance of that is twenty eight thousand two hundred and eighty seven point six kilometers. Wow. Um, you'd make it around the equator of the earth. Wow. So the, the equator is 25,000 kilometres. Um, if you started in Perth, you'd probably make it almost all the way to Melbourne, um, having done it already done a loop of the earth. You'd go around and come back to Perth and still make it to Melbourne. And just and that's just between 75 runners. That's pretty yep. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. If, if, you, if you put together a relay race around the world with 75 people, I mean, sounds impossible, farcical, but, yeah, they achieved it. Um, 28 out of 75 runners beat their PB, which I don't know about you, Pat, that seems low to me. Yeah, and, look, I mean, I probably, before the race, I probably would have expected more. Um, So... Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think that it would have a lot to do or something to do with the tough trail day course. 
Yeah. Um, there were a lot of, from what I hear, there were a lot of falls. Um, like that Indian bloke who went out after. Yeah, Kardec. Yeah, he, um, he fell. Um, he's like yeah. the perfect example of someone who fell way short of their PB because yeah. they're in the trail. And there would be others as well. Um, maybe they didn't drop out straight after they fell, but a, 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 a couple of falls or a couple of slips here and there, it all adds up. Yeah, I think it definitely goes to show the difficulty of the course. Yeah. Um, certainly wasn't an easy one. Yeah. So only 28 beat their PB. The average amount of loops versus your PB. So if your PB was 30, for example, yep. and um, you counted how many loops you did in, in the run, you would have done 23. So seven less. The average runner achieves seven less loops than their PB. Yeah. Um, now, I thought that number was a bit low. I had a look. You've got there's anomalies, right? So Cardic um, had a fall and and pulled out early. Obviously, Brian Crawford had um, some medical stuff going on. He he pulled out early, and then um, the heartbreaking story of of Hendrick. Um, even taking them out, it's still negative six. Wow. So runners really struggled um, to get close to their PBs. Yeah, so if this was a golf course, it would be like a hard golf course. Yeah, yeah, definitely a tough one. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, cool, maybe that's, you know, if it's your first time doing that course, it might be a lot a lot tougher than you used to. But if it's your second time, what's it like for those runners? Mm. Um, there were nine runners who did bigs in 2021, who also did it in 2023, and seven out of those nine improve their result uh, and by an average of 12.4 loops. Wow. So I think there's a, a bit of experience there with course. I think the home ground advantage is, is certainly strong. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think that that is definitely mainly home course advantage and also just overall experience because some of these runners in this race may not have even run a backyard ultra or many backyard ultras in 2021 yeah, yeah. too but i think the home home course advantage or knowing the course with well, experience at the course it obviously has a, a big advantage yeah um so the average loops was 56.2 i don't think that's normal by any stretch of the imagination that's a pretty bloody good winning um loop count isn't it 56 yeah, yeah. um 2021 the average was 39.7 on the same course so talks to the quality of the field this year it's you know by far the best group of backyard ultra runners ever assembled yeah um so average kilometers 377.2 pretty impressive uh Runners who achieved more than 100, there were six. So prior to this run, only four people in the world had ever done that. Yeah. And then we had six in this one event. Um, so 8% of the field did more than or 100 plus. There were uh, nine others who did 90 plus. Uh, 23 um, hit the three days, the 72 hours but pulled out before the 90 
uh, 63% of the field, so 47 runners, did between 48 and 72. So pulled out on that, that third day. Um, and 72 runners made it past the 24-hour mark. Yeah. Um, so with three pulling out in the first 24 hours. 96% of the field did 24 hours. Yeah. How good is that? Is it it's worth uh, mentioning as well with those six runners who did over 100, four of them, had, four of them did it for the first time as well. Yeah. We had Marin and Phil there who'd done it before but the other four were first timers yeah so we, we doubled the amount of runners who have done 100 yeah so now now there's eight wow yep awesome um and then finish reason now the finish finish reason is a pretty weird stat right yeah. so there's there's the runners out there experience a lifetime within a few days and, and the reason for um, DNFing is complex and multi-layered, mm. um, but there's three different reasons given on the stats. There's RTC, so refused to continue, um, did not complete, and over, over being finish the loop, but over the time limit. Mm. Um, I think every everyone who runs a backyard ultra, their dream is to be one of those overs. No one wants to refuse to continue. You know, can't quit in your chair. Um, no one wants to turn back halfway through a loop, did not complete. Everyone wants to run until they time out. Yeah. I don't think many people achieve that in a normal backyard ultra. Mm. Uh, 33 runners timed out uh, over the hour for a loop, which is 44% of the, the field. Yeah. Watching it, I, that was something that really stood out to me as well, the amount of runners who were going over. And I thought that that was really good, yeah. Yeah, it's massive. I, I think, you know, you're probably looking at maybe 5% of people who have ever done a backyard ultra have, have timed out. It's not many. Yeah. Yeah, yeah most of them uh, just, they, they decide before they do the loop they're not going to continue, so they start, walk five metres and then turn back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like me. Okay. Um, the most unique reason for finishing was the winner. He, he, Harvey finished because he won. Yeah. Um, it's only one person. Um, now, I thought about milestones. So when you look at a backyard ultra, there's there's certain milestones where people drop out um, fairly quickly. Um, your 15-hour, your 24-hour, 30-hour, stuff like that. Um, the most people dropping out in a single hour was three. And that actually happened five times. Uh, uh, after loop 29, after loop 38, 51, 58, and 61. What do you what do you think is common about those numbers? First day loop. Or just completed night last night loop. No. Nah, okay. There is absolutely no correlation in, in those okay. numbers. <laughs> they're, they're just random numbers. Okay. I looked and looked. Yeah. Um, why did three people pull out there? And I thought there has to be something that, you know, they're hitting a milestone or it's the first day loop or it's the last night loop or is nothing. So the runners literally ran until they couldn't run anymore. The, the change from day to night didn't impact them as a group. Right. 
Um, and then I thought, okay, what, what about just beating your PB by one? And that might be the milestone. But only three runners beat their PB by one and then um, had to uh, DNF. In the, out of the 75. Out of 75, yeah. So only three <laughs> hit their PB, did one more, and then and then pulled out. Wow. Um, so I think those numbers really, they talk to the, the strength of the field, the toughness of the course, mm. um, and then just the, the sheer mental strength. Nighttime wasn't stopping the runners. Daytime wasn't stopping the runners. Sure, the course was harder in the day. But they, they weren't thinking about time. They're not thinking about um, milestones or PBs or anything like that. They literally ran until they couldn't run anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also, uh, I don't know if you're a cricket fan, Pato, but in, in cricket there's heaps of cool stats like run rate and oh, yeah. um, bowling averages and stuff like that. So I tried to out of the... Out of the numbers, pull out um, my own stats, and yep. there's some that we can go through now to try yep. and work out what what is the run rate, what is that bowling average, what's the number you can look at um, at a runner to know how good they are at running a backyard. Yeah, sounds good. <clears throat> is this on the runner stats tab? Yeah, yeah, okay. perfect. <clears throat> so. Cool thing is we, we can sort them and, and bring some of the runners to the top here. Um, first stat versus their PB. So who exceeded their PB by the most? Um, I'll butcher some names. So I apologise <laughs> apologize in advance. But Ehor, Ihor, Veries? Yep. Ihor Veries. Um Beat his PB by 40. So his previous PB was 67 and did 107. Wow. It's massive. Yeah. He was impressive, wasn't he? Oh, only, yeah. Only 29 years old as well. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was amazingly impressive to watch. And when you, when you look at his times, he was actually getting faster. On, on average, he... Deliberately started slow by looks, and then each day was slightly faster than the last. So he was almost negative splitting a, a five-day event. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Bartos beat his PB by 39. So previous PB was 64, did 103. Yep. Frank the Tank, awesome to watch Frank the Tank. I yeah. think he, he's the sort of guy you'd love to go on a run with. Yeah, he's a character, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, even when he... Um, didn't complete a loop. It was, it was funny just watching him and the cameraman cut across the course to go back to the, yeah. the starting career. Um, <laughs> he did 97. Previous PB was 67. Um, John Knoll did uh, 98. Previous PB was 74, so increased his PB by a whole day. Yep. Uh, Christoph, he was pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I liked. I really enjoyed watching. There was a period of time when the camera was focusing on him a lot because yeah. he was providing so much drama. Um, really struggling with his mental state. Um, yeah, and he went so much. Like he just kept on going. When, when that day came, I think that's that gave him wings or helped snap him out of whatever he was going through because he started looking better. But he had a 
yeah, like like you were saying, in incredible performance. He, um, he beat his PB by 22 hours. So previous was 55 and he made it to 77. Yeah. I think around the 60-hour mark, I remember watching him and um, the camera was focusing on him because he, he was certainly providing some drama. But he, he said said to his crew, how are we going to keep going? Are, are they going to give us little bikes? Yeah. And he, he was legit. He was serious about it. Yeah. Um, and I thought, he's he's got to be out. But, yeah, he kept going for another 20-odd yeah. hours. I remember his crew crew responding like, what? What are you talking about? No, I have to snap out of it. Snap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now, if we sort this the other way around, it's a bit sadder. Um, but who didn't beat their PB? Yeah. So Fabrice from France, his previous PB was 60 and he was out at 10. I don't, I don't really remember seeing him pull out. Yeah, I don't either. But, um, and I don't know why. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that, I'm only guessing he must have fallen in the trail. That's all I yeah. can that's all yeah, obviously something happened there, so hope he's all right. Yeah. Um, Ryan Crawford, we know what happened there, so blood in his urine and yeah. um, just couldn't couldn't stop it, just, you know, came back. Yeah. Um, missed his PB by 45 hours, but, again, pulled out for the right reasons and, and hope he's okay. And I will mention that I loved how he stuck around and crewed James Blanton yeah. to, well, for the whole 72 hours that, James stayed in there. I thought that was great to watch. I saw he was applying sunscreen to James's head. He was getting right. He was. I heard him providing um, um, encouragement to all the other Australian runners too. So he, he's a team man. He's a team man. Yeah, and he's done a lot of backyards, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Probably and must be about nine or ten, I reckon. Yeah, PB of seventy-five. Done nine or ten um, backyards himself qualified for this event um, yeah. the world championships and then you've got him crewing for you that it's not a not a bad crewmate to have yeah 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 Absolutely. um now simple stat to look at is who did the fastest loop do you know who did the fastest loop i just sorted it so you probably do now uh, um no it's not i can't see it in your real-time changes so i can't but i will I will guess Fulati or Futali, yeah. It was um, Visa Kvenen from Finland. Oh, so yeah. He ran a 30-minute, 48-second loop. Right. Loop 11 was the last loop on the day course on the first day. So he did that time on the on the day course, which is amazing. Yeah. Now, I read a, a post by um, Laz as well saying that the course record was broken, so that must have been it. Yeah. And that, that includes yeah. night loops too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a cracker pace. That is very good. <laughs> I um, While the race was going on, I ran and went and ran my guts out to, to try and do my own one yard and see if yeah. I could beat them all. Yeah. And um, I reckon he still, he still beat me. Yeah. Oh, was it awesome. on that? Was it on that loop? You did that? No, nah, it would have been good if it was. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, <laughs> I gave him an extra couple of days, right? Yeah. So I had fresh legs, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, 
another interesting one, well, obviously Bartos was really fast. Bartos did a 32-42, so third fastest. Yeah. Um, Sam Harvey seems to be his style. He, he uh, finished first on the first loop, did a 36.05, which I think he's done before, gone out fast on the first loop. Yeah, at Dead Cow Gully, he did his first loop in 28 minutes. 28? Yeah. Um, I, this Dead Cow Gully is definitely not as hard as Biggs. Yeah. But it's 28, still a 28 amazing, is super fast. It's an amazing pace for your first loop. When you're going to say you break a hundred to go out and do that, it's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, people certainly would have been questioning him, but they yeah. weren't at the end, were they? <laughs> um, who do you think had the slowest, fastest lap? So their fastest lap was the slowest out of the runners. My guess would be Claire. Yeah, Claire. Yeah, um, the only runner to not break fifty minutes. Wow. So her, her fastest lap was 52 away. And oh, yeah. she was she was amazing to watch. Um yeah. she, she lived she lived a lifetime of, of rest. Um she was, you know, going to work, doing a loop, coming back with five or six minutes, maybe, um, having something to eat, lying down, getting the blanket, um, having some rest, waking up, um, hydrating, getting to the start line, all in that five, six minute break. And that, that I learned something from watching those runners doing those slower laps. Um, in the past, when I've done a slower lap, I'll just stay in the start. I'll run into the starting crowd, basically just stay there, wait for the next one to start, then go out. But now I, I know from now on, even if I get back with 90 seconds, still go into my chair, sit down for even 30 seconds and just take some, just take some weight off my feet and, do something like that. No, don't just just mill around in the starting corral. That's yeah. something for sure. Yeah, it's, and a, it's a mental state as well to to just have that confidence. I think even even watching them, um, Lazard blow three whistles, and I would have got up straight away and walked to the corral and and stood there for a couple of minutes. They weren't even getting up when he blew the the last whistle for one minute. Yeah. Some of them were getting up when he said 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah, like some of them, like like when we talked last time, some of them would be running into the, yeah, to make it back in time. And, yeah, look, that's something I'm going to change next race because I used to think, oh, I'll look so strong if I get into the stage yeah. with like 30 seconds till the bell. But I don't think any, I don't really think anyone pays any attention to that. So I'm just going to stay in my chair Get in there with maybe 30 seconds till the start. I think that's plenty of time. Yeah. I'm not going to cut it too fine. There's no stats for this. I wish there was a timing grid to see who got into the corral first. Yeah. But I reckon Phil would have been one of the first Yeah, in a lot of the loops. He, yeah, that, that is his style. And, like, I definitely noticed him there a lot, especially in the first half of the race. I, I think I saw him there first a lot um, of yeah. the time. And he's focused in there as well. I don't think it's for everyone else. I don't think he's um, showing strength or anything like that. I think he just wants to have that minute and a half, two minutes to prepare mentally for the next loop. Yeah. Yeah, it's just um, part of his routine, I think. Yeah. And mm. who do you reckon had the latest entrance into the starting career? Oh, I saw the video of Sam Harvey jumping yep. into it with, like, basically right on time. <laughs> 
Yeah, that would have gone to the third umpire, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I reckon if there was um, Hawkeye technology to replay that in slow motion, it would have been a foot on the line, right? He would have been barely in. I did see, um, I think it was the Mexican runner. He had a pretty close call. Um, he made it in with about four seconds to go, then quickly yeah. turned around and got made it back. It was probably just as close as Sam, but um, the footage of Sam was pretty cool. Um, well, that might take us to slower slip. Yeah. So who do you think did the slower slip? I would guess um, the Mexican dude. Uh, Rodolfo Ramirez did the second slower slope with a 59.56. Right. Four seconds. Uh, yeah. Um, Thorlifer, Thorlifson, again, oh, I apologise, yeah. from Iceland, did um, a 59.57. Oh, wow. Did he continue after that loop? That's a very interesting um, question to ask. You know, I did ask that of the numbers. Right. Um, so there were five runners who did a, a loop um, and got in after 59.50. So five runners had 10 seconds or less to turn around. Mm. Um, none of those completed the next loop. So they may have started it, but none of them turned around a 10-second rest to complete the next loop. Um, but Roman Packbeer from Netherlands, he did a 59.49 and continued and completed the next loop. So he had an 11-second turnaround and it wasn't his, his last loop, which oh, I think is amazing. Yeah. Again, I, I would have panicked and, and thrown in the towel mentally. And what loop number was that, that he did the 59.49? Uh, let me have a look. I'm just wondering how many more loops did he do after that slow loop? Yeah. See, these are the cool things you get out of numbers, Paddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was um. So that was the last day loop on day two, mm. and then he ran eight more night loops after. Wow. So his his next loop was a forty eight forty six on the night loop. So he he certainly um put his foot down for the next one to make sure he got some rest. Yeah. Um, and pulled in some pretty good night loops after. But from 11-second turnaround, continued on for eight more. That's yeah, that's pretty um, impressive. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think it's interesting that Claire isn't really on this list. So Claire being a, a slow runner coming in with not much time, yeah. for her slowest loop, she was actually 32nd out of the whole group. So she she didn't cut it close. Her slowest was 57.50. Yeah. So she still had two minutes and 10 seconds. She was just really consistent around that 55-minute mark. Yeah. Um, who do you think had the least slowest loop? So their slowest loop was still pretty fast. Sam Harvey would be my guess. Yeah, he's, he's a good guess. He, he was... Um, 67th. So, what does that make him? Ninth, ninth fastest, slowest loop. Is that is that a good way to put it? That's <laughs> bloody confusing, isn't it? Um, he did a 55.04. Um, Bartos was uh, his slowest loop was a 54.12. Um, and the Brazilian Rennie, 
right. his slowest loop was a 48.27. Yeah. The impressive thing about Bartos and Sam Harvey, though, is that they ran so many, they ran for so long, and still their slowest loops were some of the fastest slowest loops. Yeah. See, it is confusing to talk about it. Fastest slow. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's amazing. And to, that blew me away. I had to check the numbers. He, he uh, Rennie was the only uh, person who didn't throw in a, a loop over 50 minutes. Everyone else had loops over 50 minutes. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised that Renee or Rennie, Rennie, he did have such a fast, slowest loop because he was. Um, he was having severe stomach issues. Um, yeah. Remember how they were filled? He was getting a lot of coverage during some yep. of the race. And um, if he slowed it down a bit, like he may have overcome that issue, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Keith, Keith Russell was also um, pretty fast. His slowest was 51.21. That was his last loop. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think it's... Uh, pretty pretty amazing to see some of these slow times and actually how fast fast some of them are um 51 21 yeah 51 21 his slowest that is and he ran 74 loops yeah wow that's amazing and, and that was his last loop 51 last loop yeah jeez um then i think it's cool to look at day and night so uh, there's a, a few different sort of strategy, strategies that pop out in the numbers. So some people were running particularly slow daytimes and getting in some fast night loops. So Phil Gore's a notable example there. Other people were really consistent and just running a consistent time, whether it was day or night. Claire is one of the most obvious um, people running that sort of strategy. Mm. The average day loop, um, Renee or Rennie from Brazil had the fastest average day. He was 43.43. Yep. Um, Van de Boy from Vietnam, 45.06. Yep. Um, Amanda Nelson, she was fast. Watching she her run. was. She was. Did, what was her slowest lap? Uh, her I don't slowest. Think, I don't think she moved above four. I don't think she even made it into the 50s, did she? No, she did a 55.28. That was her last loop. Right, yeah. And she is one of the runners who beat her PB by one. Right. And then and then finished. So yeah. when you see her ring that that bell and then she couldn't she couldn't stand up, she couldn't walk. Yeah, yeah. They tried to get her up again and then but nah, she had to get back down. Yeah. It's like the the mind couldn't couldn't send a signal to the legs. The legs just yeah. weren't connected. Yeah. Um yeah, she was fast 46.17. Keith Russell, average day 46.23. Um, out of the dirty dozen, so the final 12, Bartos had the fastest day loop average at 48.44. Um, Sam Harvey uh, was also fast at 50.11 and Phil Gore 50.25. And is this on an average of all their days combined? or All just their days combined, yeah. So, I mean, uh, the first couple here, Van Boy and Rennie or Renee, um, their loops still still enough to 
kick my butt in a, in a backyard ultra. <laughs> but compared to the, the field here, you know, doing 23, 24 loops, um, it's a bit different when you're running three, four days. Yeah, yeah Sam Harvey, Phil Gore and Bartos, uh, their average over all the days they ran was particularly fast. Yeah. Um, obvious one, you'll get this, I reckon. Who do you think was the slowest average day loop? Oriol. Yeah, out of the dirty dozen, Oriol was. Yeah, fifty five oh six. So he he was scraping through. It would um, have to be, but the other one would have to be Claire, wouldn't it? Yeah. So Claire was a slice at fifty five thirty one. Yeah. Um, Willie David Christopher from Malaysia. Um, yeah. It was great seeing him finish as well. Yeah. Uh, fifty five thirteen was his average day. So. Frank the Tank was actually pretty slow as well. 54.33 average um, during the day. daytime lap. Yeah. He's, um, he was really um, – his average would have been uh, getting slower as the race went on because like, he definitely yeah. kept scraping through and through and through towards the end. Like he was, he was a soldier, wasn't he? He was an absolute soldier. Um. What about night time? Who do you think was fastest in the night? Would have to be Phil, I reckon. Cool. Out of the dirty dozen. Um, so the final 12, Phil was the fastest nighttime runner, 42.38. Yeah. His first three nights were clockwork. Mm. So I know I, I did a, a graph showing the variance between his night loops. Um and there was barely any variance at all. It was so tight, tightly grouped, those night loops. Mm. Um, but then his fourth night did blow out a bit, which would have impacted his his average. So his fifth fastest average night loop overall, but out of the dirty dozen, he's, he's the fastest night loop runner. Sam Harvey was close behind him at 43 minutes. Yeah. Um, but overall, uh, Rip Vars from Latvia, his average night was 40.36, which is bloody fast. And Keith Russell, who was just consistently fast the whole race, uh, 41.38. Um, Renee, the Brazilian, and again, Amanda Nelson showing how fast she is. Her average night was 41.44, so yeah, faster than both Phil Gore and Sam Harvey on her average night loop. Wow. Yeah, she's an amazing runner. I saw that um, her 24-hour track, or like her 12-hour track record is 130-something, so she's definitely a fast runner. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Think, she, I don't think she can run slower. <laughs> yeah, she probably was running slower. Well, yeah. I think that they're, all, they're all trying to run slow, right? She's probably felt like a snail's pace to her. Yeah. Um. So I think an uh, interesting number to look at is what was their night versus day. So some people were running a consistent pace across both and some people were running a faster night and a slower day. So I worked out the variance between the two. Who do you reckon out of the dirty dozen had the biggest variance between night and day? Slow day, fast night. Oh, I feel. I'll yeah, say Phil. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. So... Yeah. Phil was third overall, including his fourth night, which um, blew out that nighttime average. Mm. He was, on average, seven minutes 46 faster at nighttime than he was during the day. 
Um, what um, hour did that fourth night start? So, you're asking me to do maths. Oh, was it 60? I think it was 60. Fourth, fourth night? Yeah. Fourth night. Oh, actually, fifth, fifth night. 84. Yeah. Need a calculator, Paddy. All right. It's all right. I can see. It's all right. 24 times four. Well, the fifth night was um, it finished on 107. So Harvey did one loop after that. But if you talk about the fourth night, um, that's lap 83. Oh, okay. Because um, I, you probably saw Phil's post today. He um, posted that it was around the 74-hour mark. He um, felt pain in his left leg. Yeah. Yep. So um, I'm not sure if you were going to bring this up later, but did you see in the stats? Did you, could yeah, you, you can. Yeah. So you certainly see where his leg starts hurting. It is, it is during the day. Right. You see those daytime loops um, start to pick up uh yeah around that 70 odd hour mark i can bring it up look at phil's total graph and what you'll see is um he wasn't a a pattern of going faster faster at night and the first couple loops at night he'd the first one would be um around that 43 44 mark at most um he did turn it up for the first couple loops of night, felt like he was trying to get back to his normal routine. Um, but then he started running some of those nighttime loops just as slow as he'd run the day. Right. Yeah. So you can see during the day, his his day loops on that fourth day really started to blow out. That's where he did his first loop over 55. Right. Um, and then he tried, tried to get it back into his normal nighttime routine but it looked like he had to adapt his plan there because of the leg. Yeah. So I like how you've highlighted the laps that are over 55 minutes and yeah. under 45 minutes. Yeah. I made those numbers up. I don't know what a good number to look at is, but I think over 55 minutes I'd panic. So I figured that's a good good, good line to draw in the sand. Mm. Um. We could probably get this one right as a guess. Who did the most loops over 55? Most percentage of their loops over 55? I'll say Claire. Claire, yeah. So 58% of her loops were over 55 minutes. Yeah. And I, I think the other 42% were pretty close to 55 minutes, right? Just really consistent. Yeah. yeah. Um, of the Dirty Dozen, Frank the Tank ran 46% of his loops over 55 minutes. Um, Oriel, uh, 44% of his loops. Right. John Knoll, 39% of his loops. And John Knoll looked like a machine out there, like a yeah. – he, he was he was uh, just not human watching yeah. him run. Yeah, he was very impressive. Um, and yeah. Harvey, Harvey, not on the first couple of days, a lot of his – um, slower loops came later on. I think he found a groove and he, he went into Claire mode. I think mm -hmm. we can call that Claire mode. He, he did 30% of his loops um, over 55 minutes. 
Yeah, I can see a lot of red there, over 55, yeah. Um, now we can reverse this. Do you reckon any runners um, didn't hit that 55 minute? We know we know a couple already. Yeah, so Amanda Nelson's one, right? Yeah, she she did one. Are we talking all runners or just the dirty dozen? Well, of of we can talk both. So Amanda Nelson did one loop over fifty five, and that was her last loop. But if we if Sam we look Harvey at the would, Sam Harvey wouldn't have done many. He did one. Wow, one, and it wasn't his last. Um, Bartos did none. Bartos from Poland did no loops over fifty five. Wow. Last loop was fifty four. No, that was, his slowest was fifty four twelve. And that wasn't his last. Yeah, he looked um, like like a machine, like just so consistent. It's yeah. the way he was moving as well. He looked the same at the start of the race and he did towards the end. Yeah. He might have um, been better towards the end than he did at the start. Yeah, I look better I look better than I did. I'd only been sitting on the couch watching it. So <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got I haven't got some sleep and I look worse than him. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, Ion Verries from Canada did one loop and Sam Harvey, yeah, one loop over 55. Yeah. That's uh, very impressive by Verries because, as we know, he was the assist with 100. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And we can look at the graph. It's hard on a podcast for everyone else to see the graph, but we'll look at it in a minute and you'll see just how um, his lap time seemed to improve. Like they got better and better. Mm. Um, sub 45, who's our speed demon? Who did the most loops under 45? I would guess this. Maybe Sam Harvey. Yep. So of the dirty dozen, Sam Harvey did 41% of his loops under 45 minutes, so 37 of his 91. Yeah. Um, Phil Gore, 38 of his 100. A lot of those over the first three days. Yeah. Um, do you reckon anyone didn't do a 45-minute, a sub-45-minute? Claire. Claire, yeah. Claire did none. There was actually a fair few runners who didn't do any. It was heaps. Oh, yeah. So if, if we count them up. I see that even Oriol did one. Oriol, who was running most yeah. of the laps over 55 or thereabouts, he even did one at 44 minutes and 45 seconds. So... For some reason, he turned it on um, on that on what lap sixty nine. He went yeah crazy. When you when you look at his um, the graph of all his times, he's got this magic little blip yeah. where for some reason he's it, it probably means something to him. He's had a shower, or he, he needed to have a good rest, or he needed the sleep, or food, or all yeah. of the above. Yeah, they re really turned it on. Um, but there's twenty two runners who didn't do any sub forty five minute. Um, loops, which uh, I think uh, in backyard ultras, just a general backyard ultra runner, most of them would do a sub forty-five minute loop. No, most most yeah, would I, aim for it. Yeah. Um, so do you reckon most runners would do a forty under forty-five? Um, I reckon. I reckon um, most would at least get a get close to that forty-five minute target to try and get that fifteen-minute rest. Mm. Well, I think this goes to prove um, you don't need that rest. You don't. You don't need 
15 minutes. 15 minutes is just going to seize you up potentially. Yeah, and that's what we discussed on the other night as well. Like we were talking about why are so many runners looking so stiff so soon in the race, like on that first night, and that was my um, theory that they were running their laps not too fast but faster than what they were used to. Um, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at this graph, look, this chart, um, there's so much green on that first night. Yeah. Which means under 45 seconds. So it's all over. The, it's covered in green. So Yeah. I think there's a lot of runners, um, looks like they tried to bank some sleep on that first night. Yeah. There's certain runners that stand out where they, they didn't and they tried to bank sleep on the third night and, and fourth night fourth night and i think sam harvey's numbers look particularly like the first couple nights he was trying to um take it easy but still still um get some rest and then tried to get that rest on the third night um but yeah vast majority of runners were trying to bank some sleep on that first night looking at the numbers. it's interesting you say that because we mentioned christophe from france earlier how yep. he was mentally out of it if you look at his times he didn't do any sub 45 minute laps um on that first night or that second night so he probably wasn't getting much sleep which is might explain why he was so yeah happy. yeah and his um his day loops got consistently slower as well so he wasn't really getting much rest during the day mm. and then that third night he, he had some um particularly slow loops 58 um, minute loop there so yeah I mean I was I was sleep deprived I wasn't um, asking where the little bicycles were but <laughs> um, I reckon I would would have if I had the amount of sleep he did yeah um, who do you reckon had the fastest last loop either Chris Russ either Keith Russell or um, Sam Harvey yeah it's a um, it's a funny one because you feel like the last loop shouldn't be your fastest. Out of the out of the dirty dozen, Harvey Lewis had the fastest last loop. Wow. So he knew he was finished. He didn't have oh, to get back for rest. Yeah. His last loop, he won. So that was a 47-31. Yeah, he didn't want to uh, time out on that last loop. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Lose track of time, yeah. Um, yeah. Sam Harvey, 49.03, which he was actually, uh, he looked really strong. He looked really strong when he pulled out. He, he ran a 49.03, had a, a good 11 minutes there, mm. um, and, yeah, didn't complete the next loop. So, well, from 84 to 91, his lap times were 43, 41, 42, 43, 43, 43 42, and 49. So, yeah. It, I don't know if you saw when he was going out on that um, 90-second loop, the one he turned around, he was like a cat on a hot tin roof. Yep. He was like jumping at shadows. Um, I didn't think he was going to turn around. I just thought, geez, this guy's. it looks like he's hallucinating bad. Um, but, yeah, and then next thing I know, he's yeah. hugging his mum and telling, talking to Laz. What did you think of the interview when Sam finished? He sounded like a poet. Yeah. It sounded like he was reciting poetry. There's um, only, only two circumstances 
where I've ever spoken like that. Yeah. One, I'm either really drunk. Yeah. You know, I've had some epiphany hit me, you know, all of a sudden understand life. Yeah. Or I've had a really, really clear mind and I've, I've been completely there and, and thinking about, you know, life and pondering on life for a while and come to some realisation. So I don't know if, if Sam was completely delusional and doesn't remember what he said or he was completely with it and, you know, just really understood everything around him or yeah. maybe it's a combination of both. Well, look, to me, the guy is a, is a different kind of dude. Like he's a really, you know, I told him this when he was on the on my podcast, like I was really blown away by how much of a deep thinker he is. He's a really deep thinking, like, guy. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, I think uh, what he said was really interesting. It, it sounded like he was just sick of backyard, like he he was backyard yeah. obviously out. But, yeah. There's a muscle in your brain that um, switches on and, and gets you to keep going. It, mm. um, it, and at, at the end of a long run, whether it's a point-to-point -point or a backyard, at end of a long run, you, you can feel that muscle um, relax. And I've had that moment myself where you, you're driven, you have to keep moving forward, just keep moving forward, just keep going. And then when that muscle relaxes because you're done, your body shuts down, your brain shuts down emotionally, everything just drains out of you. Yeah. Um, it's like he had that on a bigger scale, not just one run, but a, a group of runs and a couple of years of his life and and he'd been driven so much. And then on, on that loop, he, he just let it relax. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I don't know, I wonder how he's feeling. I haven't seen anything on his social media or anything like that. Hopefully he's, uh, he's all right because um, going into the race, it felt like it was the most important thing in his life like ever yeah like, very important to him which it was yeah. for a lot of runners but this this was a different this was another level yeah well he'd, he'd um he'd spoken about 150 and believe him believe the man when he says something i think yeah. with with sam harvey yeah. um but yeah ho hopefully hopefully he's doing really well and hopefully he's he's over the moon with the awesome effort he put in because it is bloody impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I mean, so I, I thought that if he dropped, it would have been because of this physical issue. But this was, it appears to be like it was mental issue. Like, I mean, his times he wasn't running slower. It was just um, yeah, it was dropped because he he just didn't want to go anymore. He that muscle relaxed. Um. So I looked at rest over the last 12 hours, which ties in nicely here. So how much rest you got over the last 12 loops um, can shed some light on how you were when you finished potentially. Mm. Um, did you have time for sleep? Um, did you not have time for sleep and rest? And Out of the dirty dozen, who do you think had the most rest time over their last 12 loops? Definitely Sam Harvey. Yep, Sam Harvey. So he averaged 12 minutes and 43 rest per loop over his last 12, um, total of 2 hours and 32 minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, for context, um, Eeyore varies. 
nine minutes 22, uh, one hour 52 total. So Sam had, what, 40 minutes extra um, over the last 12 loops um, mm. than your Veris, who was the second most rested over the last 12 loops of the Dirty Dozen. Mm. Um, and then Phil Harvey, which surprises me because it, it does feel like feel like Phil was doing it tough for a while there. Um, he actually had nine minutes and 13 seconds average rest for the last 12 loops. Right, Phil Gore, you mean? Phil, uh, yeah, sorry. What did I say? Phil Harvey. Phil Harvey, yeah. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> um, can't combine them. It'd be um, you get 200 laps. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, there is some nuance in the numbers. So whether the last 12 were during the day or during the night is going to throw those numbers yeah. out. But it's still, you know, rest is rest, regardless of what, what you were running. Um, who do you reckon had the least amount of rest over the last 12 hours? Um, Oriel. Oriel. In, so I find this amazing, this one. He's, he averaged two and a half minutes. <laughs> downtime over the last 12 over the last 12 hours a total of 29 minutes and 57 seconds wow 29 minutes and 57 seconds oh over God. 12 hours Jeez. and what did you say um sam harvey was so sam was over two and a half sam was two hours and 32 minutes my god that's amazing, isn't it? So he had two, two hours less rest yeah. in his last 12 hours than Sam. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, always, it's uh, amazing to um, think you can just continue going yeah. with, with that little um, that little rest. So, yeah, he really just, he was grinding him out. Yeah. His last six loops were averaging 57.28. Wow. Yeah, I, um, he's a lot, very entertaining runner. Like the, the ones who cut it fine like that, they're really entertaining to watch, aren't they? Those ones who just do it loop after loop after loop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool towards the back to see them just robotically just get up and get to the grind and yeah. just keep going. But it's funny when they get into their, um, their camp, they're pretty hectic some of the times. They don't have much time. Yeah. They're really slow out of the loop, but then they go into their camp and they're they're all hectic. Like I saw one of the um, one of the rest times he had, like he didn't have much time at all, and his crew like started pouring water down his back. He's like, "Don't do that!" And then he wanted a, a bottle of water, and they threw it to him. Like, yeah, he had to pick it up just as the bell was ringing. Did you see that? Yeah, it was yeah some pretty pretty interesting. Um, moments even between the finish line and back to their uh tents mm. you know by the time they sat down in their chair they had um something to eat in their mouth something to drink in their hand and a blanket around them and um that's just the 10 seconds it took them to walk to their chair and sit down so yeah there wasn't a second wasted and i think that's another thing to um think about when you're running a a backyard ultra all those seconds are so precious yeah so you know you think you need 10 12 minutes of, of rest time to get in everything you need um 
maybe you don't. You just need to use the time you have really, really well. Mm. That's um, one of the things I've, um, I'm going to do for my next backyard ultra is have a, um, a camelback ready, fully stocked. Yeah. So if I am late in to a, at the end of a loop and I don't have time to find my vibe, I'll just take that camelback. Yeah. Starting to corral, have everything I've, I need in it so I can just uh, eat or drink whatever out on that loop. Yeah. yeah. Having one it's packed is like an emergency pack. like Yeah, like a last resort thing, yeah. Yeah, so so you don't have to feel like it's an emergency because you're fine, you got that packed and ready to go. Yeah. Um, uh, I was getting to the end of a loop and sitting down and thinking, oh, I haven't got much time, but then I was, I'm looking through the esky, oh, what flavour Gatorade do I feel like? And um do it do I, what do i want to eat or want a music bar do i want some yeah. rice or um there's no no point wasting that time looking through a menu or, or <laughs> thinking yeah you know phil talks about taking the think out of um what he's doing and having that plan of what he eats and when to put on sunscreen and stuff like that that must save him a lot of seconds and give him more time to actually rest rather than planning out his food and 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 drink yeah, because he can just go into his camp, sit down, and his crew know what to do. They'll just put in his hand what he needs and yeah, just to sit there yeah. and stuck on the straw. Wasn't um, wasn't Gemma amazing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was awesome, especially when um, like he was hurting towards the end after he fell. He's he, he was bleeding and everything, but she um, still still wouldn't let him um, stop. She made him go back out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But she was awesome the whole whole way through and updating the social media as well. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. How did <laughs> how did she find time? I, I don't understand. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't a um, quick quick post on there either. She's tagging the sponsors. She's putting yeah. a thoughtful post with a caption on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal, um, and goes to show if you're crewing someone in a backyard ultra, think about every second as well. You know, she had um, there's one loop where Phil finished. Um, the camera was on Phil and asking him some questions, and he was already eating. By the time yeah. the camera turned to him, he's already eating. Gemma's there sorting him out, um, and Phil uh, halfway through the. The sentence said, and now I can get some sleep and just walked off. <laughs> um, yeah, crews were amazing. I think all the crews were really cool to watch and the, the runners that um, DNF'd and then helped each other out was really cool. And, and the crews whose runners had DNF'd and then helped out other runners was really, yeah. really cool to watch. Yeah. And we mentioned Hendrick before, um, who got disqualified at 60. His stat, how were his stats looking up until that point? Uh, really, really strong, to be honest. Yeah. So one thing I liked looking at was um, what I called the spread. So how different were their times for each loop, looking at each, um, each loop on each day. So the first loop of the day course, the second loop of the day course, the seventh loop of the night course, et cetera. What were the time variances? Yeah. Uh, during the night, um, some of his variances were uh, under 20 seconds, 18 oh. seconds, 10 seconds. So on the 17th loop, 
Um, it was only 18 seconds different. Uh, I know he only he only did the night twice. He didn't get to do it third time, but his day daytime loops are really really close as well. So he certainly showed no signs of slowing down. Um, I'd looked at his graphs and thought, "Geez, he's he's onto a good one here because he, he was running really consistently, really well to a plan, yeah. um, and it was just." You know, a couple of hours before he got disqualified, which was just heartbreaking to watch. That um, night, that last night, he ran between 36 and 48 hours. Um, all of his laps were under 45 minutes except for two of them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was definitely one that was running a strategy with slower daytime loops and faster nighttime loops. So he must have had some pretty good rest. There weren't many laps at night that he had over 45 minutes. I think there's one or two over both nights. Um, outside of that, he would have he would have been banking a lot of rest, getting ready for that day three, day four, day five. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll throw my opinion because I think it's been a hot hot topic. I don't reckon he would have been disqualified if he kept going without the without the timing chip. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't see how you can disqualify someone just for not having a timing chip. As long as he completes the loop, um, they would just give him a time of 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Yep. And then they'd say, remember to put it on for this next one, and that's it. Yeah, but um, obviously go, going back, uh, he he did that for 100% the right reasons. Yeah, He felt, I've done something wrong. I'm not going to take a shortcut and keep going without it. I'm going to um, penalise myself and, and pay the price myself by running all the way back, getting it, and then doing the loop anyway. So he added eight minutes um, before he could you know start the loop again he was eight minutes behind and then had to run pretty fast to, to get through so he certainly tried to make up for missing the the timing chip um yeah but yeah he was looking really really strong so heartbreaking for him but i think you know but uh, to me it's kind of like um running a loop without in a race when you without running it's like running a loop without your race bib like Sometimes late in a race, you'll see some runners without their race bib because everyone knows who you are by that point. Yep. Um, you're not going to get disqualified for that. I think it's a similar thing with the timing chip. I'll just say, remember to put it on next time. Yeah. Poor dude. Yeah. He'll, well, be I mean, back, He'll be back. In Australia, most of the runners don't have a timing chip, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's um, inherent to the backyard format. I don't think it's something that has to be there, hmm. but I do think going back to the starting career is something that is, um, you know, part of the core of backyard is you start that loop, you have to start it, and then you're unsupported. So Yeah. Like Laz says, you can't go back. Yeah. You can't yeah. go back. Yeah. So, yeah, he was looking really, really strong. Hmm. Um, do you want to run through... Quickly say the top 10 runners and what their days and, and nights look like. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Cool, 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 cool. So, Oriole, 
we've got his his graph here. So if you look at um, Oriel, his his first day, um, his first day loops were all around that fifty-one to fifty-three and a half minute mark. So he wasn't he wasn't overly slow. He wasn't overly fast, but fairly consistent on that day. And then he he turned up his night loops. He actually had some a couple fast loops on the the first couple night loops, so forty five odds. Um, then got a bit slower during the middle of the night, uh, and chucked in a couple fast ones again, forty six, forty seven, for the last couple. The second day was a bit a bit slower, so he averaged what around fifty five minutes on that second day. Um, but then second night again faster than day course. But he, he couldn't get under 50 minutes. Well, maybe he could have, but he didn't. So he, he didn't do any loops under 50 minutes for that second night. Um, and then just continued to get a little bit slower on that third day. He pulled a, um, what's this, a 57 and a half minute loop there. Oh, yeah. Almost 58, 57. Yeah, 57.49. And then looking at the night loops, they continue on um, in the 50s, 55s. So it, in a night loop, he did a 58.22 um, yeah. on that third night. But then three laps later, there's this really crazy blip where he did a 44.45. Yeah. So there's a lot of footage on YouTube to go back to find that, but something happened there. He, he's had a foot bath and a... Uh, roast dinner or something on that one loop and that was his fastest on that third night so that tells me even though he's running most of his laps slow he's still under control he's not yeah he wouldn't have been feeling worried or anything like that he's just kind of like running to like a plan knowing he's going to come in late but he's feeling all right and yeah well he's, he's slowing down um fairly consistently from mm. the start so yeah he's faster at night but you know each night is slower than the last and each day is slower than the last and that has a smell of yeah sort of he, he's lost it he's 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 gone here mm. um but clearly he was still running quite strategically he, he he had the energy and the the mindset to go okay i need a fast one here to get something done and he, he pulled it out and then went straight back into grinding out the 55, 56, 57 minute loops. Yeah. Um, and I'll just say, um, I love the day course when um, when runners are, when you're waiting for the runners to come and they turn around that corner and come running up the driveway. Yeah. It's awesome when they're coming up and they're like, I'm not struggling to make time, but close to missing time and like everyone's cheering and uh, come on and they're pushing. Yeah. But it, again, the mindset, you know, the three whistles are going off. Yeah. Um, they know they're gonna make it and they know they'll they'll get some food and they'll they'll get some drink and they'll get whatever they need. Mm. Um, you didn't really see people running along, hear the whistles, and then completely panic. Yeah. They, yeah. they already knew where they were on the course at that point. Yeah. It's like um when we watch it, like we know if they if they're just before the driveway, they can still make it, even if they have heard the first um, three whistles. Yeah. Like, we know they're going to make it, and, and they do too. 
Um, Sam Harvey. So <coughs> Sam has a few little Oriole blips where he's run a fast lap. His first lap was um, fast, and then lap 15 and 16 at night were fast. Um, but he was definitely running a, a, a fast pace overall compared to some of the other runners. Um, his day loops were slower than his nights, so he was getting in that rest on the nights. If you look at his um, second night, there were some slower laps on his second night. So I don't know if something was going on. Um, like around the 47 yeah, mark? Yeah. Oh, he's even a 52 there. He did a 52, a 49, a 47. So um, uh, potentially strategic, potentially he had a little bit of a niggle. Mm. Um, but then going into the third day, those third day loops really consistent. So yeah. he, was, he was definitely under control on that third day, 52s, um, almost all the way across a couple of 53s, 54s. Um, then you get to the third night. His third night loops were bloody fast. So yeah. he, he's had his fastest night average on the third night. Yeah, it looks like his best. Best night was this night. Yeah. Um, and then went out for the day calls, so the fourth day. They were, broadly speaking, um, slowing down. There's a couple of loops that he chucked in there that were faster, but overall the average during that day was certainly slowing down mm. and almost hit that 55-minute mark but didn't. Yep. And then he was still looking pretty good on that fourth night. So yeah. he's still hitting under 45 minutes on the night loops. He had a couple that were over, um, one of them being his last. But uh, outside of that, there's 147. The rest are 41s, 42s, 43s. Um, and then his last loop, a 49, um, which, you know, we spoke about. That's a pretty fast loop compared to some of the runners for their last. Yeah. Um, so, again, another runner that was looking really strong. And then... Um, you know, the route. Yeah. Uh, next, who we got? Oh, Frank the Tank. And I think he's um, going to be one of the favourites that I watch from now on because he was really, really, really exciting to watch. Yeah, he Frank, was. Frank was on a different strategy. So he's not on the, the Phil Gore strategy at all of um, uh, trying to really push out night loops to get that rest. Yeah. Um, he started uh, the first day. There were some faster loops, faster being, you know, 48, 45, 46. Um, but he was doing, you know, up to 54 minutes on that first day. And then at the night, he had loops over, well, there's a 53 in there on that first night. There is a fast one. That's where he did his fastest loop on that first night. Yeah, 38.06. 38, yeah, blistering pace. So, again, that's a little Oriole blip where he's decided to chuck in a really fast one. Um, but he was fairly consistently paced across day and night. His nights were only slightly faster than his days. Um, and he was grinding out over 50-minute, 50 55-minute loops fairly consistently from the third day. So he did well, almost 48 hours of... Um, averaging over 55 and just chucking in a couple loops under where he needed to. Yeah, sure. I can see on between 49 and 59, every loop was over 55 minutes except for one of them. Yeah. 
and that was 5443 so yeah so and from that point yeah there's some some faster loops in the night um but then you know there's still some 56s at night time yeah um which at night time was a, a particularly slow time for for the runners yeah um so yeah amazing to see how how much he managed to grind out at that point it's just a, a huge effort and again it was amazing to see him him finish i think he he had the biggest grin and he was making jokes yeah. and then yeah, yeah it, was, it was amazing to see him just walk to the start career then you got john noel and what do you think of john noel out there yeah i thought he was great he um he, he flew under the radar a little bit for me yep um but yeah like towards the end when he was like the the last few like um but yeah he really stood out as being a, a really good good runner yeah so he he um looking at strategy as a it seems like a bit of a split so his first day loops um were nice and slow so he's definitely banking some energy there mm. um uh in the 50s 52 53 um, and then the night he had a, definitely had some fast loops. So, you know what, almost just under thirty nine for that first. Uh, uh, no, sorry, just 43, 43.48 for that first night. Um, but then he he definitely slowed down. So from that fast night slow day, mm. um, it started to become all sort of one pace over the night and the day. There were some some blips in there where he threw in a faster loop, mainly at the start of those night um, night course loops. Yeah. Um, but he was grinding out uh, quite a few laps over 55 um, minutes all his third day. Well, looks for over 55, but then turned it around on his fourth day a bit to throw in some 52s, 53s. Uh, and yeah, last loop there during the day, 55, just started to slow down just a touch, but it was still ahead of um, his day three time, which was a 55 on that first loop. So he still looked a bit um, faster than he had been on previous days, but um, mm. obviously had been grinding out those laps for quite a while at that point. I wonder if it's... Um getting close to 100 had ever anything to do with it like he wanted to make 100 so bad well as he got closer to 100 it made him yeah beat up a little bit to give himself more rest perhaps yeah um now phil gore it's my favorite graph to look at phil yeah. gore um yeah. and I'm, I'm uh it's amazing that he hit 100 again he's one of the few runners in the world that's done 100 and he's one of the even fewer that's done 100 multiple times. Yeah. First three day and nights were clockwork, Ab absolutely clockwork. I could, um, to the point where on the second day, um, I know he listens to the podcast, but I reckon you look on the second day, on the fourth loop of the second day, so what's that, 28? Yep. I reckon that's when he had his sponge bath or shower. Oh, yeah, because he did 42. Yeah, minutes, yeah. yeah. Um, because every other every other loop time you look at, 
is so close to previous loop times and yeah. that one stands out like a little blip it's had something had something um to do in the rest time yeah. but his his nighttime loops he had spoken about it on podcasts before i don't know if he said it on your podcast about running three fast one slower three fast one slower three fast and then one slower and that's how he gets his nine fast loops for sleeping at night yeah yeah so you can, see that. you can see that here can't you yeah and it was it was the same loop so he he didn't run that to feel he he ran the first three days to a schedule that definitely um definitely was working because you know he, he got 200 but he was also able to stay on that um strategy for a long time yeah um and really interesting he his plan must be really detailed because when you look at the nighttime loops he throws in three fast ones and then a slower one and then three fast ones that roughly the same pace as the first three fast ones but his second slow loop is slower than the first slow loop so he's got three different paces chucked in there for his night loops and somehow over three days he can get his mind and his body and get around what pace he needs to do at each individual loop and is that a trend over the first three nights is it yeah wow. yeah clear as day wow so i think his um slowest loop for that first slow lap the slowest time he did it for that first slow lap so if you look at the 16th loop and then the 40th loop and then 48 plus 16 is whatever that is um those loops were about 43 44 45 so his, the slowest was 44 57 so 44 57 was his slowest first slow loop of the night yeah and then he'd do three more fast ones and then uh the 20th loop yeah uh of the day 48 minutes 52 50 minutes and two seconds 46 and 54 so his fastest second slow lap was still slower than his slowest first slow lap. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, really, really well planned out and executed. But then on the fourth day, you see as he heads towards the back end of the day loops, he's got that 56.34 as the last day loop. Um, chucks in a 44.18, but then from there his night loops pick up. So he ends up doing a 56 in a night loop. So they're his first yeah. um, over 50-minute loops uh, at night. And, yeah, he, he, there are some faster ones in there, but it looks like he was working through that leg pain. Yeah. It had really hit him by that stage. Um, and maybe he was trying a few different things. He was doing some faster loops to maybe get some rest, and he's doing some slower loops to maybe take the pressure off the leg. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, his last few loops during the day to get him to 100, um, 54, 57, 54, 55, and uh, 58, 45 was his those, um, last. Those last four loops that he ran, they were some of the, that was some of the most exciting TV I've ever watched. It was, uh -huh. um, 
it was uh, mind blowing to watch him run those last few loops yeah. and all the runners actually to to watch them. Yeah. And, and it's during the day. It was at that point in the race, come around that 95, 96 loop mark. Um, if you just tuned in, you'd think it was the weirdest and slowest race you've ever watched <laughs> in your life. Um, but if you understood what they'd gone through to get to that point, it was the gutsiest stuff I'd, I'd seen. And the, the moment that um, really stood out to me was they had the um, rocky gravel driveway, which none of them wanted to run because it looked horrid to, to yeah. run on. Um, and they were all walking at that point to get to the end of it. And Phil was at the back of the pack. And as soon as his feet hit that tarmac, he started running. Yeah. As, as soon as his feet hit that tarmac, he started running and and started overtaking runners and you know really putting in that effort. And they, they were all walking slash running zombies at that point. It was it was amazing to watch. And because he was wearing that um, his one hundred and two t shirt, it's kind of like the Australian green and gold. It felt like a real Australian sporting moment to me. Like. Yeah. He, he was running for Australia and it, it was just, it was something special. And watching him going out, even though you knew he was hurting, especially after he'd fallen and he still went out to try and do that 101st loop, that was, um, yeah, that was just something special. I yeah. couldn't believe what I was watching. It was one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, he was, he was definitely in the pain cave and, you know, going into the, race you could say he had a target on his back mm. and at that point where he put the phil gore 102 shirt on he literally had a target on his back <laughs> he had 102 written on there yeah. um uh yeah and he, he was putting putting in the effort just like all the rest of them were but yeah. um yeah amazing to watch also amazing um marin from belgium yep um uh, again, another. He's a smooth mover, isn't he? he? Looks, he just like looks like yeah. a natural runner. Yeah, yeah. I reckon there's there's something in the ponytail. Only people with um, uh, a ponytail tend to have that sort of natural flowing yeah. ru running style. <laughs> um, maybe I'll grow mine out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he he had uh, yeah look slower days and faster nights it wasn't as extreme as some of the other runners uh but he definitely had oriole blips where he threw in some faster loops um i don't know if it was a, a scheduled thing or not because it's not every loop but the the first night and the third night his last loop was particularly fast so maybe he was um planning something there to get ready for um those nighttime loops but yeah he was he was throwing in some oh sorry getting ready for the daytime loop so yeah his last nighttime loop um on the first night he threw in a 3926 and on the third night he threw in a 3928 um and that seemed to get him prepared for those daytime um course change and the daytime loops yeah, I noticed that a lot of the runners ran slower first loops, um, first, slower first day loops 
Yep. Well, is it? Does that show up on your on your? Um, yeah, when you when you look at the, it's almost um, it's almost like going for a, a normal five k run, right? You, you have a slow first k to warm up, and then you you have a pretty good middle, and then you're a little bit knackered at the end. Yeah. Um, and that's what it looks like in some of these um numbers for the runners when they got out on that day course they weren't um necessarily uh looking to run their fastest loop on that first loop maybe they're having feeling it out or um remembering the course um but yeah then they get into a groove be a bit faster and then by the end of the day loops that you know take its toll they're a bit slower um but same with the night loops there are some runners who ran particularly fast first loops on the night, but I think a majority showed a slower first loop on the night course. Right. And then their faster loops were, um, you know, sort of in the middle of that night. Uh, but, yeah, Marin put fast loops in at the, the last night loop, which maybe, you know, shoe change, clothing change or something. It's a good moment in time to, you know, have that rest and, and start a new day. Yeah, sure, because all of the runners would have changed between or changed from their road shoes to their trail shoes after last night loop too. So I guess that's some time they need extra. Yeah, well, Aaron definitely got it. He might have a foot bath as well. Take off his shoes, have a foot bath, yeah, and then put on his his trail shoes. Um, Mori Mori. Terumichi Morishida. Oh, yeah. Um, how good was it to watch him again? Because obviously in, in 2021 he had that fall and couldn't continue, and that was a, a bit of a dramatic moment. It was, you know, like a Hendrick moment of the 2021 race. Yeah. How good was it to see him um, continue on in this yeah. event? Yeah. And it almost makes you think, gee, what could have he? What could have happened if he didn't fall two years ago? He might have, him and Harvey might have pushed all the way to a hundred. Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe. Well, yeah, he clearly has a capacity for it because he did it. Yeah, um, yeah one hundred one, one hundred one yards, um, and previous best eighty. So the eighty was in twenty twenty one, wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, it was close to that. I think he did, well, yeah, yeah, it would have been because I think he did 86 at 14 Japan at Sat Champs off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it would have been, yeah. Um, yeah, really, really good to see uh, his style. He had a, a faster night than, a, than day. There's some really minor Oriole blips where he's he's chucked in a faster one. It tends to be three or four loops into his nighttime. So he'd, he'd start his nighttime loops a little bit slower, then chuck in a, a fast one maybe to get some food or something in there. Um, he did get slower as the time progressed. So, you know, his third night was his slowest night, but then he, he started picking up. His fourth night was faster than his third night. Um, so he definitely picked up the pace there, got through that fourth night. But then you can see the fifth day. So after the the last night loop he ran, he ran a 
53-25 day loop, a 55-57, a 55-33, a 55-36, and then a 58-40. So he was really um, cutting it fine and grinding it once he hit that um, day loop again for the fifth time. Yeah. I noticed that the three Japanese runners or three of the Japanese runners were finishing a lot of their loops together. So it looked like they were running as a team. Um, yeah. Especially during the night loops. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, you, know, you go to a, a, lots of people say on your podcast, but I, their favorite thing is the people they meet and the mm -hmm. conversations you have in a, um, back out. Ultra. I think there were definitely a whole heap of those moments with, with yeah. these guys because it seemed like there were lots of different runners um, running together. And there, there is there's a moment on the highlights I watched today where Harvey Lewis says, the bus is back, the bus is back, and there's five or six runners together <laughs> running as a group. <laughs> um, Bartos. Uh, Bartos. Uh, similar, so a slightly faster night loop than his day loop. It wasn't really marked. Um, you can definitely tell he ran a slow first day. He was really particular to run that slow first day, but there are a couple fast loops in there. Yeah. Um, and then that first night was his fastest first night. And, again, you can see his first loop on the night wasn't his fastest. His, his second loop there for the first night was yeah. his fastest loop um he still had a, a difference between his um day loops and night loops as the event progressed um but it just it slowed down um as it went on still a fast runner though because there's nothing here over 55 we talk about slowing down but it's slowing down from a fairly fast pace right yeah. so not a single loop over 55 he sort of uh, on day three, um, leveled out. So there's some ups and downs, but the averages of his his lap times sort of plateaued, and they seem to plateau at night time. You know, somewhere around that 49 minute mark. There's some over, there's some under, yeah. averaging around that 49. And the daytime loops were maybe a 51 average over the last couple of days. And then, yeah, that fifth day. Um, slowly getting um, uh, slower and slower times, but he didn't hit a 55. He's 53s, 52s, 51s, um, and, yeah, finished on a 53.25. Really fast runner for, for that many yards. It's some really, really... Um, I mean, that, that first night's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Every, yep. nearly, every, everything's under 40 minutes except for two of them, and they were 40 minutes and 24 and 40 minutes 06. Oh, and 41.05. But, yeah, that, um, yeah he's, a, he's a gun. Yeah. So his, his strategy is fairly similar. If you overlay the shape of some of the other runners, it's fairly similar. But his whole um, loop time is shifted down wow. because his standard pace must be so, so much faster. Yeah. Um, that a slow loop for him is... You know, not even over 55, where a slow loop for some of the other runners is a, a 57. And his his fast loops were back to back to back. So yeah, that first night, 3246, and then comes back with a 3642, a 38, a 38, a 38, a 38, a 38. Yeah. Um they're the times I'd run if you um 
got me to do one loop. He's he's chucking <laughs> chucking them in on the first night, back to back to back. And uh, considering how far how far he went in the race, you'd say he must have been successful with using that time to sleep as well, because um, to go as far as he did, you have to. I mean, it, you'd have to sleep some and. He definitely, I think he definitely would have banked a lot of sleep, especially earlier in the race. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah. He def- he definitely would have been. Um, well, he had the time to rest. Yeah. Um, whether he, he managed to get the resting, because I know that's a, a different skill, right? Um, mm. But he certainly had the time on the table to yeah. to rest. Um, he or varies. It's the only graph that looks like his. Um. And it looks like it's backwards. Right. Because like we spoke about earlier, it's like he negative split the entire event. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I've tried to do that in a marathon before and failed. Um, <laughs> and, and he did it over 107 yards. Um, so, yeah, that first night he's doing roughly around 53s, um, a little bit over 53s. And then night night time's a bit faster, but he's hovering probably around that 50-minute mark. But then if you skip to his fourth day, so that from 73 onwards, he started running his fastest day loop. So his fastest day loop was actually on the fifth day. So he was getting faster and faster. He ran a 50-51 on the third loop of the fourth day. Um, didn't break the 50-minute mark, but he was getting pretty close to it. And then on that night, he's running 49s, 48s. He did a 44-59 on the fourth night, which is, that's pretty bloody good. And then on that fifth day, started the fifth day with a 49-42, 54, a 48, a 51, really, really fast. So, yeah, Hard, hard to explain how the graph um, looks, but it, it looks backwards. It looks like he he should have been running those fast times at the start, but instead somehow he's running them on the fifth day. Yeah, well, I, I'm just looking at that fifth day now, and one thing that I've noticed is apart from Harvey Lewis's very last lap, um, Varys was the only one who ran a sub-50 minute yeah. Yep. And he did it one, two, three, four times. Yeah. And you, you saw it in the footage as well, right? So he um, finished first quite a, a few times. Yeah. And and had a, a fair bit of time to um, have the cameras on him. So he, he had a whole heap of that camera time and it was um, a whole heap of time for him to rest as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, you see, when he, he was talking to his crew, when it was down to two, and he asked, you know, do I have to just keep going? And they said, yeah, you just got to keep going. He's like, well, how long for? And um, the, there were two crew there with him. One was uh, going the route of saying, you know, you might be here for a while. You just have to keep going. And the other one took the different route of saying, well, just one more. That's all you have to do, one more, and then you'll have to do one more again. Um, uh, and he asked, well, will you, will you still be here all that time? 
And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll stay here. And he's like, what about Laz? Will Laz still be here? Um, and they had to explain to him, well, Laz's house is right there. That's the, <laughs> even if he went home, he's just in that building there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so he, was, he seemed really, really um, with it, but they were talking him through it over those last um, few hours to, you know, try and explain to him how long it'd go for. I think he felt like he could probably go forever. He looks um, like he could. Yeah, and the numbers show he, was, he wasn't getting slower. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, he, he didn't know whether he'd be there for an hour or weeks, um, and he didn't know if everyone would pack up and go and he'd <laughs> be left there on his own, just him and Harvey. Um, which brings us to Harvey Lewis, uh, awesome guy to win. I was pretty pleased that um, Harvey took out the win. There's lots of awesome people running, but I think he's sort of a, um, a key figure in Backyard Ultras and a really good advocate. Well, I think um, just as far as his Backyard Ultra resume goes, He's undoubtedly a legend. Yeah. If, yeah. If, he's the, if there's one legend, he is it. Yep. The, the first entrant into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah the one and only. There's a few Hall of Fame members, but he, you can elevate him into the legend status. Um, and it might take a little bit of time for someone else to reach that status, but... He is the man, isn't he? Like, I love how he um, talks about how he used to play computer games. Yeah. And he uses running. Uh, he compares running to playing computer games. And he he is the um, game piece. Yeah. Every race, he's a different character. Um, I love that analogy. Um, so his times. Looking at at the grass of his times. The first day and first night were pretty straightforward and really consistent. So yeah. you look, look at the times, he's averaging about a 52 minute during the day and he's averaging about a 44 at night. There's a couple faster ones in there, but um, pretty consistent across there. The second day was a bit slower, so he's averaging around that 54, but then sped it up at the end of that second day. So when you look, he's he's got a 45.56 on the last loop of the day, which yeah. maybe is a Marin moment to um, get in early, change his shoes, get ready, get prepared for that night course. Yeah. Started the night pretty well. So mm. a 45.31 um, and then had a 37.51. Um, but then after that, uh, he had how many loops is this? He had five, six, seven, eight, nine loops over 50 minutes. So from a really fast start, getting that 37.51, he then went into nine loops over 50 minutes. Which is a different approach at night time than a lot of the other runners. Yeah, it? really different. Um, yeah. Which you'd think he, he couldn't have been getting the sleep some of the other runners were getting. Yeah. Um, but then the last two loops of the night, Obviously, still in control. He ran forty-five fifty-four and a forty-four fifty-three, yep. and then straight into the the third day. Um, 
then from the third day it all became one so there's no marked difference between his day loops and his night loops there's some fast loops there's some slow loops but whether it's day or night he's coming in roughly around the same time so 53s 54s 55s there's some 52s um there's nothing under 50 until the very end then is yeah that's it there's no blips in his times there's a couple slightly faster where he's you know maybe put the foot down a little bit or did some less less walking more running but nothing significant all the way from lap 49 through to lap 107 um really really consistent and we know why that uh lap 108 was fast because he, he was going to win so he <laughs> he knew where the finish was and maybe didn't want to risk getting too close to that timer it's also interesting um from 102 one from yard 102 when um there were three runners left he was last one in he was the last one in in 102 103 104 105 106 then he beat Verys home in 107 and yep. that it was after that Verys dropped out so maybe um harvey beating him home in that um in that 107 is what right broke the camel's back for Verys. like Verys felt like he wasn't winning anymore so to speak yeah yeah that's interesting um because Verys would have done a lot of finishing first he, yeah. he would have finished loops first um quite a bit when they got down to a few runners because he was running so fast yeah um and he was getting that rest but yeah to your point on that 107 that's where harvey um didn't really put the foot down too much but he, he chucked in a 50 31 which is the in, fastest lap in a long time fastest lap in a long time yeah and came in ahead of um very so um try he must have thought i'm gonna have to beat him this lap and see what how he responds i reckon i can see that 107 that 50 31 or whatever it is is his fastest lap since yard 48. yep that's so, a um one last stat i've left up my sleeve Pato. <laughs> how many loops do you think uh harvey lewis finished first one no yes i'll say one well three okay <laughs> yeah well there, there's one which is 108 he finished first and last there because he's the only one who did it yeah and there's a the 107 where he beat um varies yeah outside of that over the other 106 loops even when they got down to um not many runners there's only one other loop i see it's loop 37 yeah, yeah where he finished who do you reckon uh finish the most loops first i'll say varies phil gore 24. okay yeah yeah huge um and sam harvey was 16. right yeah and yeah like like we said earlier sam harvey must be his style um to win that first loop i reckon if i ever do a backyard and 
um, Sam Harvey's there. I'm going to spread my guts out on that first loop just, just to see what happens. <laughs> so that's the numbers. There's heaps more I could talk about. I could talk about numbers forever. Um, numbers, podcasts, and running are my three favourite things apart from my family and my wife. So um, awesome. I could talk forever on those, but... Yeah, yeah. What, an, what an event and what an amazing story. And it's cool to see the, that story in the numbers as well. Yeah, yeah, that was that is awesome um, analysis. I knew I knew that you would um, have a lot to talk about, but um, that was really, really good, really interesting. I reckon everyone will listen to that and think, that, this guy's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that, well they'll, they'll fall asleep after the first few, few minutes of 58 53 57 um, but yeah it's really cool and you know if if um the cool thing with numbers if anyone asks you a question you can just it it pricks up your interest and you can pull it out so you know oh what happened on lap 47 with this runner you can you can dig in and, and have a look um well, well that 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 makes me think then um like, what are you going to do with this information? Can can runners potentially reach out for you to, to so they can ask questions about their own statistics, or can they reach out to you and ask about other runners' statistics? Are, are you available for? Um, are you going to make this public? All this analysis. What are you going to do? Uh, it's a very good question. So I'll still be digging in the numbers for probably a month at least, and finding out interesting, cool things and. I'm telling my wife, did you know that, you know, <laughs> Sam Harvey on lap 23, she won't care, but, you know, I'll, I'll still be eager to dig in the numbers and, and tell someone about it. So, yeah, if, if anyone wanted to ask a specific question, whether it's a runner or, or whoever, if they want to know something interesting, they can reach out on Instagram or, or socials or whatever. Yeah. Um, I did start an Instagram page. Backyard Ultra Stats. Ooh, awesome. Um, I think that's what I call it. Or, yeah, Backyard Ultra Stats. Because um, I figured I'd just post some of the graphs. It's one thing to hear the numbers read out, um, but it's another thing to just visualise it. So, yeah. Well, um, I reckon that's really good because, I mean, you can post you can post things like one or two things a week, leave a few things up your sleeve, but people can also message you and say, can you post, yeah. a, post a graph about this stat? and Yep. Yeah, here we yep. go. Uh, yeah, so um, I'd be over the moon if any of the runners reached out and said, hey, here's my strategy because there's data that's not in here, right? Um, when did they eat? When did they eat a meal? Um, uh, what was their strategy? Which we you could overlay in these numbers and see the impact of all the things they did. Yeah. Over the moon if any, any of the runners reached out and um, had some questions about the numbers, happy to happy to dive into whatever they ask um, and any um, other events who have data and they just want to throw it my way. I'd, I'd love to dig in and compare. We were saying earlier before we started recording, but I know that it'd be awesome if we had all the numbers from every Backyard Ultra event and you could start to compare event versus event. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot that don't have the timing chips. So mm. um, there would be limited data to go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, look. I mean, there are a, a handful in Australia. So, like, do you think like you might start doing this for more races or just special occasions? Uh, maybe. 
<laughs> depends how depends how exciting they get, but I think they've been getting more and more exciting every every event over the last twelve months. Yeah. Um, so no doubt I'll be watching, and you can guarantee if I'm watching and there's a place on the internet I can grab the data, I'll be doing some sort of analysis. Yeah, beauty. Well, um, that was an awesome chat. I love this all this statistic stuff. It, it just um, it makes you look at the race a whole different way as well doesn't it? it makes it so much more just another whole other element to analyze yeah like americans would love it you know how americans love this yeah stuff? <laughs> hey when, you, when you're commentating um the next bigs when you're the head commentator and <laughs> yeah i can be the stats guy in the background that that hands you little slips of paper with interesting facts yeah that would be awesome yeah um yeah cool well make sure you um send me a message with your new instagram handle back at ultra stats so i'll tag you in the um in the post in the instagram yeah, we'll, we'll and yeah that's awesome tim awesome great stuff cool <laughs> i think i've i think i've talked myself out for the day i think <laughs> I've done a backyard ultra worth of talking. <laughs> I think this might be the longest uh, podcast so far, actually. Yeah. And and one of the best. Cool. Well, uh, <laughs> hopefully hopefully you have uh, some of the runners on to talk about. Yeah. Well, look, I'm going to um, definitely, well, yeah, look, I'm going to give them a, a few days rest till I start breaking their balls, asking <laughs> yeah. them on the, on the podcast. But yeah, look, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to asking a lot of questions and really uh because after the masters I had a I probably had about a month worth of guests just talking about the masters. So I reckon I'll probably have about a month worth of guests talking about bigs as well. Yeah, yeah, easily. I'll be listening. Okay, awesome. I think I think a lot of a lot of other people are. I think your podcast is one of those ones you want to listen to every episode, right? So <laughs> um get them on if 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 they listen to this get on pato's podcast because we we all want to hear your story the numbers are one thing but the the um like sam harvey said um it's the beauty it's the art yeah that's what we really want to hear about yeah 100 all right tim awesome stuff thanks heaps for coming on i'm so glad that i so glad you were directed towards those stats so you could start really getting yeah. Hands dirty, and uh, yeah, you've done a great job. So um, yeah, thanks again, and yeah, we'll definitely be in touch, and um, I'll speak to you later. Cool, thanks, buddy. All right, see you, mate. See ya. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya. <laughs>